Ahoy! This is the Daily Podcast Practice Show for Wednesday, August 18th of 2021. I'm your host, the practicing podcaster tour, Rich Grimshaw, here to practice one more time my podcastery to be refined, entertaining, and engaging. And by the way, this is a little-known fact. Podcasterating is the eighth principle of Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. It is. So it's the eighth habit of highly successful people is to podcasteritize. You know, he died before he realized that, but I spoke with him recently. He got in touch and he asked me to pass that on to the world. So for the seven, maybe eight people in the world that are listening to my podcast on a regular basis, feel free to share that. I'm sure Stephen would like that spread around. Today is National Fajita Day, a day to celebrate the authentic taste of the Southwest with the fiesta of flavor known as the fajita. Throw in some awesome black beans or even add a little hot sauce, guacamole, sour cream, or cheese. The combinations are endless. It's not exactly health food, y'all, but goodness, they are tasty, so go ahead and indulge without feeling guilty. Our word today is enculturation, spelled E-N-C-U-L-T-U-R-A-T-I-O-N. Enculturation is a noun that means the process by which an individual learns the traditional content of a culture and assimilates its practices and values. Here's the word used in a sentence. Parents in the school district don't want the enculturation of their children taken completely out of their hands. It's a good word, enculturation. Count them in, uh, five syllables. Five syllables today. Oh, what a great day. So, learn that one, enculturation, and try using that at your next Toastmasters club meeting, why don't you? Born on this day in 1774 was Meriwether Lewis. He was known for his role as the leader of the specially established unit of the U.S. Army called the Corps of Discovery, along with William Clark. They undertook the famous Lewis and Clark expedition to the Pacific coast of America. And they made it. I still think that journey is uh, just remarkable that they that they made it. <laughs> it just because it could have gone the other way real easily. He was born this day, 1774, in Ivy, Virginia. He died October 11th at 1809 at the tender age of 35. It says here from onthisday.com, the cause of death was gunshot wounds under mysterious circumstances that could have been murder or suicide along the Natchez Trace in Tennessee at an inn called Grinder's Stand. Well, of course, my curiosity got the best of me, so I googled Grinder's Stand, and I came upon an entry in the National Park Service website about Grinder's Stand. Let's see. Um, Meriwether Lewis traveled the Natchez Trace during his final trip in 1809 when he was governor of the Louisiana Territory. Accompanying him were Major James Neely, John Pernier and Neely's servant when they reached the Chickasaw Agency six miles north of the present location of Houston, Mississippi, Lewis asked Neely that the trunks with the expedition journals be sent to the president in the event that anything happened to him. Stephen Ambrose records in Undaunted Courage that Neely assumed Lewis meant Jefferson, not Madison, then the current president. Okay, that's neat. But here we go. October 11th at Grinder Stand, also the Grinders Inn, 72 miles short of Nashville, most historians believe that Lewis, suffering from depression and anxiety, shot himself in the head and died the following morning. 
Thomas Jefferson had much earlier noted Lewis's depression when he served as the president's secretary and believed that they ran in the Lewis family. I guess they meant depression ran in the Lewis family. He is buried in a grave in Lewis County, Tennessee, located about 100 yards from the site of Grinder's Stand. The inn was located on the Old Trace near the crossing of Little Swan Creek and was said to border American Indian Territory. Well, there you go. So, happy birthday and fond remembrances, Meriwether Lewis. For a little bit of a change today, I'd like to go to the blog of Matthew Dix and read his entry from yesterday. You remember Matthew. He is a grade school teacher, first and foremost, but he's also a prolific writer. He writes a blog post every day. He's written four or five or six books. He's also a very good storyteller, and he's also a very good opinionator. He's got opinions, strong ones, on just about everything and doesn't mind sharing them in a very blunt fashion, which sometimes puts me off and sometimes I appreciate it. Depends on what kind of opinionation he's performing. I, I just don't think the guy ever stops. He's a machine. You know, if he's got two minutes, he'll do something with it. If I have two minutes, I'll take a nap. Anyhow, I want to go to his blog entry for yesterday, August 17th of 2021. It's called Make Sentences Interesting All the Way Through. It, it's about writing. And I read it today and thought, this is good. I need to remember this. All right, Matthew says, I'm listening to NPR report on a series of intense thunderstorms that had passed through the area last week. The broadcaster says that strong winds have knocked down trees and power lines. Quote, more than 10,000 residents were left without power, unquote. Says Matthew, I hate that sentence. It clangs in my head when I hear it. Do you see why? No, I don't. Tell me. If you're listening to a story about intense thunderstorms knocking down trees and power lines, then... Then the broadcaster says, more than 10,000, you know what the rest of the sentence is going to be. You know that it's residents without power. In storytelling, hell, in all of writing, and when possible, in all of speaking, don't construct sentences with obvious endings. Don't say things that your audience, whether it's one person or one million persons, already knows. A better sentence, a far superior sentence, is this. Power was knocked out to more than 10,000 homes. I agree with him. I agree wholeheartedly. When you construct sentences this way, there is engagement all the way through. Yes, you know a number is coming when you hear power was knocked out to more than, but you don't know the number. You may not care if the number is 10 or 10,000, but at least you don't already know what is about to be said. The words are not predictable. The second half of the sentence is new information to you. I know this may seem like a bit of a nitpick, but this sentence really did clang in my mind like a cracked church bell. Well, that's a pretty good image. It sounded loud and awful and wrong. Maybe you wouldn't have noticed it like me, but string enough of these kinds of sentences together and you'll stop paying attention. You may not understand why or be able to explain why you changed the station, but when people say things that you already know, conversation gets boring. News reports get boring. And storytelling gets boring. People get boring. This is why we should avoid cliches whenever possible. Don't let the door hit you in the... We're not laughing at you. We're... Someone woke up on the wrong side. Every cloud has a... We know the ends of these sentences. We already know what's coming, so don't say them. Screenwriter Aaron Sorkin once said, quote, 
the worst thing a writer can do is say something that the reader already knows, unquote. It's asking a lot to monitor your everyday speech using this rubric, but if you did, even a little, your sentences would become more interesting. Your conversations would become more interesting. You would become more interesting. But if not in everyday speech, we can at least be wary of this kind of sentence when writing. Even if our everyday speech is littered with predictable sentences and clauses, our writing need not be the same. Someone at NPR wrote that news report about thunderstorms knocking out power. Someone wrote that rotten sentence. That someone can do a lot better. I agree. That's, that's good writing advice, and I don't know that I've ever come across that before, so I'm going to seriously try to adhere to that. I'm going to try to remember it when I'm speaking. Uh, gosh, I don't know how I'll do that. I can't remember my name when I'm speaking. But I might be able to remember it when I'm writing. So I'll try. seems to me I ran across something something similar in another book on writing, which I cannot recall right now, but I know exactly where it is on my shelf. But I'm not going to get up now and get it. But I'll see if I can't drag that out for tomorrow's podcast. There, that'll that's the hook. That'll get you coming back, won't it? Okay, let's wrap this up. Let's stick a fork in it because it's done. I am Rich Grimshaw, and you are invited to join me again tomorrow. Thanks for listening.